When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the Bow Hunter Planet Podcast, your gateway to the wonderful world of archery and bow hunting. The Bow Hunter Planet Podcast would like to thank our outdoor partners for their support. It's because of these companies we can keep this show educating, entertaining, and growing the archery heritage. Please check out these partners' links in the description of this podcast. Now, your hosts, Tim and Dave. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to the Bowhunter Planet podcast tonight. Myself, Tim Mazarana, and as always, my co-host and friend, Dave Thomas. And uh, we're, I'm, I'm really excited. You know, tonight we have a, a special guest on. Our friends over at Carbon TV kind of introduced us. Uh, we got the ball rolling here to, to get uh, on a podcast tonight. Retired Colonel James Nicholas Jr., a.k.a. Colonel Nick. And uh, Colonel Nick, I, I just, I appreciate you being on with us tonight. Um, as I told you right before we kind of kick things off, um, these subjects are always near and dear to my heart. I, I love being able to support our veterans, families of veterans, active duty members. Um, and it's just such an honor to have you on tonight and talk about Folds of Honor and your involvement and what they're doing. Uh, if you don't mind real quick though, well, can you start us off with just giving us a little bit of a background about you and your service? Absolutely. Well, first of all, Tim, Dave, thank you so much. Uh, it is absolutely an honor to be here uh, with you guys this evening. So, you know, my story starts, but so I've been retired for about three years now. So I spent 30 years uh, in the Air Force, um, did my entire career, I was an F-16 fighter pilot. So um, stationed all over the world, you know, Japan, Arizona, you know, did several combat tours. I've got uh, six combat tours in Iraq and one combat tour uh, in Afghanistan. And, you know, along the, along the way, I've had the, had the blessing of a, of my wife of uh, 32 years and three awesome kids. And uh, it was a crazy roller coaster ride, not a life for uh, everybody, but didn't regret a, a second of it. And you know what, I'd go back and do it all again. Awesome, man. Well, we awesome. can't thank you enough for your service. I mean, just the sacrifices that that you make within your own family, being away from them, moving around, all of that kind of stuff. Um, like I said, near and dear to our hearts to be able to to really give you a voice on our podcast and tell us a little bit about your involvement now after you retired with Folds of Armor. I'm sorry, Folds of Honor. I'm sorry. Um, can you give us a little bit of background of Folds of Honor? No, absolutely. So, you know, Folds of Honor began about 14 years ago. So, 
uh, uh, one of my best friends or my very best friend, Lieutenant Colonel Dan Rooney, who's the CEO and founder of the Folds of Honor. He had just gotten back from his second tour in Iraq and uh, found himself on an airline. Uh, he was traveling uh, from Chicago to Grand Rapids, Michigan. And as they landed in Grand Rapids, Michigan, um, the captain had come over the um, PA and asked everybody to remain in their seats that they had a hero on board. Well, earlier when, uh, when Colonel Dan walked on the airplane, he noticed a, um, a young, army enlisted troop uh, sitting in first class in this dress army greens and assumed that the captain was talking about that, but that was not the case. Uh, this young man was in first class, was escorting his twin brother home 7,000 miles from Iraq. And out the left cargo hold of the aircraft, Dan witnessed um, you know, the flag draped coffin coming down and then saw his, this is Corporal Brock Buckland, and saw his wife and his four-year-old son standing there. And, you know, when you, you go to war, you see things, you do things, and a lot of experiences that, you know, thank God most Americans uh, will never have, but that's the other side of war, right? You know, the aftermath of it, you know, the family sitting there and Dan, uh, you know, looked at that little boy and knew that he would never play catch with his dad again, never get tucked in again. Uh, but he knew he had to do something. So he did. So he started Folds of Honor, you know, and he started this organization uh, 14 years ago above his garage in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. You know, and to date, uh, we have put 35,000 scholarships out the door to the tune of $160 million, which is just absolutely amazing. So and we support kids from, you know, kindergarten through 12th grade. So we'll send your kids to private school. Uh, we'll get, help you get your college degree, uh, send you to a technical or a trade school. You want to go be a plumber or an electrician or anything in any of these fields, we'll take care of you there too. You know, and one of the neat things about us, you know, the most impactful thing about the Folds of Honor is our families and the stories that they tell in the uh, and the extreme sacrifices that these families have gone through, especially those who have lost a, a loved one. But you can also, you know, donate and give to us with confidence. You know, use a fighter pilot term here. We are high speed, low drag. And uh, what that means is that we operate at 91 cents on the dollar. So for every That's dollar you high. give us, 91 cents is going to scholarships. We are rated in the top 1% of charities in the entire world right now. And we have the highest ratings you can have from all the charity watchdogs. So you can give with confidence. Again, you know, those are just numbers, but it's the stories that resonate with people, right? It's the stories of, of sacrifice, it's the stories of loss. And then, you know, and ultimately with the Folds of Honor, it's the stories of renewal, right? You know, we don't just walk in and, you know, you know go, hey, we're sorry. We're coming in and going, hey, we want to take care of your spouse. We want to take care of your kids. Because for me, as a fighter pilot with seven combat deployments, that's one of the things I always thought about, right? You know, you always, you're always optimistic you'll come home, but what if I don't? Who's going to be around to take care of my family? Yeah, and, and you don't want to think about it, right? No, you, you, you don't. And, you know, you kind of, you know, we're really good about compartmentalizing that stuff and putting it out of the way, you know, because you got the job to do. My job as a fighter pilot 
was to protect that 18 year old kid on the ground with a rifle. And I was going to do everything I, I could do to make sure they came home. And, but now, you know, having been retired for three years and being able to do something very, really still kind of stay in the service, right? Cause it never gets out of your blood, man. And, you know, staying in the fight and, you know, and our mantra is, is we're not going to leave a single military family behind on the field of battle. Yeah. You know, I, I can't, ha I can't help but uh, pick up on what you said about that 91 cents on the dollar. And that, that is huge, by the way. I mean, nonprofits, because you are a nonprofit, being able to, to put back into what you guys do, 91% of the money that's coming in is absolutely huge. But I, I think that speaks to the leadership that the military has been able to give you. I don't, I don't think you know, when, when I look at the private sector and I look at companies and there's always an emphasis, which I love to see on hiring ventures, you know, within certain industries and that kind of thing, there's a reason for that. And the reason is the leadership that you develop and your time in the military. And I think that is so, so such a big part of Folds of Honor, um, because you can rely on the fact that you have service members with that, those leadership skills uh, running a, a nonprofit organization that does nothing but bring positivity to other people's lives. I think that's absolutely amazing. Awesome. Thank you. I mean, it's a, it's a privilege to do so. I think, you know, you know, there's a lot of great leaders out there, you know, whether they've been in the military or not, but the, you know, military leadership and command is unique experience in and of itself, because you're just exposed to a dynamic that most people are not exposed to. So I think it gives you an opportunity in the civilian world um, to rely back on those skill sets that you learned in the military, whether it's you know managing stress or time management or just organization or whatever it is. Um, but I think probably the biggest thing that we draw from the military is just a do not fail mentality, right? Because even when, when COVID hit last year, and we do a lot of events, we're very event driven and all that type of stuff. And, you know, March hit and, you know, and Colonel Dan and I are sitting around and we're talking and, you know, hey, what does this next year look like? And, you know, we just kind of looked at each other and it's not these military families fault that COVID hit and we're not going to use it as an excuse. And, uh, and thankfully and prayerfully, we had our highest revenue year ever in wow. 2020. Wow. That is awesome. And, and amazing to hear that. So, so with that, um, tell me a little bit. So, so you said it's, it's all scholarship based. Is that correct? So the money that you come in with, it goes towards, and I'm, I'm just trying to paraphrase what you said, but it goes towards scholarships for pretty much all age groups, right? We're not talking right. about just college. Correct. Right? Like, like you said, you're doing private schools, you're doing after, you know, after the private schools, you're doing, um, you're doing colleges, but you're also doing the trade arts as well. Correct. I, yeah. And I, I think that's amazing. So how did you guys decide on the trade arts part of that? Because that's something that I think has been a very big topic amongst families. I have a family myself. I have a 13-year-old, 11-year-old, not military service. Um, but we always have that conversation of what are you going to go on and do? And, you know, the, the general conversation is always got to go to college and this and that. But there is a whole life to live outside of college and that trade arts. And, and so how did you guys decide to go down that road? You know, so... 
when, um, and this happened a few years ago, because initially, you know, the Folds of Honor, it was really focused on, on college. And then you quickly start to pivot in what we, what we recognize too, and what we want to help promote as well. So, you know, for me, I just, this past year, I was able to buy land and bought a ranch and, you know, got and building on it and stuff like that. Um, if you are recently building and you're trying to find a plumber, an electrician, a carpenter, or any of these things, they're super hard to find. And the kids just aren't being directed there, right? I mean, they're not, you know, they're, you know, and those are some, I mean, those are the backbone of the workforce of the United States, right? I mean, nothing happens in America, unless you have these awesome, you know, blue collar guys and gals out there who wake up each and every day. And you know what, the money's great. You know, and it's a great lifestyle and you can raise an awesome family and stuff and not, you know, graduate from college with $150,000 in debt, you know, with a degree in basket weaving and trying to figure out what you're going to do the rest of your life. And it was just a natural place uh, for us to go because I, I mean, I'm passionate about those things. I'm, I'm, I'm very mediocre at each one of those skills, but I try and it was just a great way to go. You know what? We can, we can complement both right? You yeah. know, wants to go to college, we can do that. You want to go um, be a pilot. I mean, we'll go pay for your pilot training and all that type of stuff too. So uh, very near and dear to our heart to do that. That's awesome, man. I, I love that. It's a conversation we have in our house as to what you want to do. And what I, what I love about what you're saying is that you're there for the family, no matter what, no matter what their path is in life, where their path is going to take them, um, you know, you're going to help them out with that. And I think it's such an honorable thing. So thank you so much, man. I appreciate you sharing all the information. Now, now talk to us a little bit about the donation side. So where can people <laughs> donate? Where can they go? How can they help you? Are there ways to help you other than donate? Sure. So, I mean, the easiest thing to do is go to folds of honor dot org okay and click on that donate button and become a member of our squadron at 13 dollars a month okay so it's a recurring donation at 13 dollars a month at foldsofhonor.org and that number 13 may sound odd you know but if you can see this triangle shape of freedom on my chest right here the flag folded it takes exactly 13 folds of the flag to bring it to that triangle shape and you know, the number 13 is wildly important to us. It represents a lot of things. It's not a bad luck number. It's a number that represents the ultimate in freedom and the ultimate sacrifice for our country. That is awesome, man. I appreciate that. Um, so if you if people buy like clothes, is that some of that go towards that or is that not doesn't work that way? No, it does. So if you go to foldsofhonor.org, the same website and click on shop. Okay. And you can see all the swag. You can find this t-shirt on here and I'll make sure I'm going to send you guys uh, some of our swag and hats and all the things on there. In fact, uh, you get these t-shirts right here. This is the best t-shirt you've ever worn in your entire life. And, uh, and so yes, the clothing goes to support as well. What's it say in here? It says golf, golf marathons. I was trying to look at some of these things you guys have on here. Is that like an event or something? So golf marathon. So that's something that's actually happened over the past couple of years. So we, we have a wonderful uh, relationship with the PGA of America. Dan Rooney, uh, in addition to being an F-16 pilot, is also a PGA golf professional. And so he, his initial fundraising effort was in golf. 
So, you know, through, <clears throat> excuse me, through events and other things. Uh, so one of the things that we discovered is there was a lot of individuals who just wanted to do something and say, hey, listen, I don't know how to run a golf event, but I want to do something cool in golf. So um, these awesome patriots and a little bit crazy, you know, so if you're a golfer, these guys go out and play a hundred holes of golf at one time. Right. And so they get sponsorships and stuff. They'll either sponsor them per hole or sponsor them per birdie or per par. And, uh, and these events happen like all over the country. It's, it's absolutely amazing. And it's a great way for an individual to, to, uh, to get involved as well. Awesome. Well, speaking of donating, I just wanted to let you know, it's super easy. I just went on there and do it. You got an extra $13 a month, man, just from me. So thank you for that. While Dave was talking, I was able to go on there and do everything. It is super quick, super simple, and what a great cause. Awesome. Yeah, well, thank, yeah. thank you very much for doing that. Not a problem, man. I, I was going to say, uh, so I've always been, I'm a very big fan of uh, the history of World War II. It's something I, I really like over the past, I don't know, two, three years. It's really, because there's, uh, there's a lot of uh, online I shouldn't say online. There's a lot of shows about it. World War II in color, World War II, you know, so it was just an interesting war to, to learn about. And one of the things in there that when, you know, I found out you're a pilot that kind of struck me when I was thinking about <clears throat> is when the battle of Midway, when these, these pilots went out on this ocean and they got lost, like they didn't have the navigation that you guys had, you know, even now. And, you know, when you started, and so they got lost over the ocean and they couldn't actually find the Japanese armada. And one of the pilots saw this uh, spigot of color coming out of the ocean. And, and what it was is the, uh, I don't know which gun it is on a battleship, but it was some sort of uh, light ray hitting a, a, a optic and shooting it in the air. And so they saw it and the leader of the squadron turned his plane and went for it with low gas and everything. And it was one of those things where they say in the show that, you know, what he's asking you to do as another pilot is to, you know, risk not coming back in order to try to find this and make something happen. And I just want to say that, like, it's really important um, to honor you guys for what you do as pilots and all that, because like that moment that they did that was a risk that they weren't coming back, but it turned out where both armadas or both squadrons landed right above that armada at the same time and devastated the Japanese fleet. And that was one of the biggest turning points of, of the Pacific war. And, um, it's just, it's just incredible, um, what you guys do and have that gall and, 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 you know, ferocity to go for that and like, not, you know, even knowing that, you know, you might not make it. I mean, that's, it's incredible, just absolutely incredible. You know, and some of the, uh, you know, and we could sit here and tell stories and do all kinds of things. And I apologize for my voice. I'm just getting over a cold and trying not to cough right now. But the, uh, but the, the, just the absolute bravery and um, that you witnessed throughout the years was absolutely amazing, you know, because when you're in the moment at the time, um, you know, you're really looking at it and just going, well, I got a mission to do, right? And so the, the consequences of that mission aren't really resonating with you right now. You know, you don't really ever think about it. You just go, okay, we've got to go do this. 
and um and yeah and you know the the world war ii guys i mean they really um paved the way right in terms of you know the the honor and the sacrifice and everything that they did i mean because i mean you were looking at a time frame there where literally the balance of the free world uh was at risk at one point and they took their jobs very very seriously and if we don't go do this then who's going to do it right yeah. we've got to go make this happen yeah. and uh it was just uh i know exactly what you're talking about and the uh the bravery there is just next level it's like crazy like i, I just i just remember i watched that episode a lot because it was very interesting when they sent out the i think they call them mosquito bom uh, mosquito torpedo bombers they're like literally the slowest thing and out of like 50 or 30 planes or 300 like one made it back they all died like going out to try because these planes were so slow that the japanese could kill them pretty easily and shoot them down and all this stuff but really they paved the way because they need the diversion why they went out with these these bombers and came back in it's sad to say but that's kind of how it went but they said that the a pilot in world war ii was like one of the most riskiest jobs out of anything, whether it was for Britain or for the United States or anybody, because the bombing raids they did, uh, they a lot of them never made it back. And, and, they, and they said that, unfortunately, a lot of the deaths that happened with that were terrible ways to die. I mean, burned alive and, and you know, falling into the ocean and just drowning in the ocean and stuck in the ocean or getting captured. Just, just terrible stuff. So, yeah, that's really incredible. Speaking of... Uh, these newer the newer planes that you've flown in and in, in the f-16s things like that what kind of speeds are we talking about here when you're flying so at full so the, full speed at full, okay so the f-16 at full speed is capable of going over twice the speed of sound right which is around you know you're looking at around 1300 miles per hour so oh that's that's super gosh. fast that, we, we, we don't cruise around there because we'd be out of gas in about 30 seconds if we did that. So, you know, your typical combat speeds, you know, when we're coming in and doing bombing runs and shooting the gun and doing that type of stuff, uh, you're talking 450 to about 500 miles per hour, somewhere in there. Wow. And then and, and how many, and typical, I was going to ask you this question I was thinking about earlier, yeah. but when you make a turn or something, what's the typical amount of G's you, you would experience, I guess, on a normal flight? Yeah. So the, so the F 16 is uh, capable of pulling nine G's, which we did frequently. Right. So wow. just, you know, whatever your body weight is right now. Okay. So whatever, you know, one G is keeping your, your butt in the seat right now. Right. So if we were to, you know, the F 16 kind of had a, had an inclined seat, which was pretty cool side stick controller, so we go to turn and pull, you pull nine G's, every part of your body weighs nine times more than it did, you know, a second ago, right? So wherever you, wherever you got your body parts, that's where they're staying. Okay. Cause you're not does it like crack your back or anything. seems like, oh yeah, like it does. So, you know, all of us, I mean, all of us have, you know, bad, you know, uh, especially as old retired guys, bad, you know, necks, backs and wow. all that type of stuff. Never thought that of that, work. you know for so many Just years the, yeah i think i'm an inch and a half shorter than when i joined the air force <laughs> <laughs> what about uh have you guys in part of your training do you guys have to like do they try to make you pass out from the flights like that in the beginning or how's that work yeah so not not actually in the airplane so they put you in this thing called uh you ever seen the movie spies like us when they throw them throw them in this thing called a centrifuge yeah and they're going around, around. And 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so we do the same thing. And it, it is uh, it is an extraordinarily um, awful thing. It's a torture device and it hurts. And so that's where you that's where you learn. You, you know what nine G's feels like and you have to turn and, you know, look backwards and stuff while you're doing it. Um, wow. It really seemed like that the centrifuge was actually a lot worse than the actual airplane. Um, it seemed like, uh, but you know, nine G's, I don't care who you are. Uh, nine G's hurts. It just does. So what, what you're you, saying is that if you can't handle that pirate ship ride at the carnival, right? there's no way you're flying. Yeah, right. a, there's no way you're flying an F-16. No, no. <laughs> you might want to go fly something a little heavier and slower. <laughs> what about, uh, when you break the sound barrier? what happens when you're in the plane? Like, do you hear it or you don't hear it because you're going through it so fast? No, you don't hear it, but uh, people on the ground sure do. The, yeah, I uh, saw videos. It's incredible. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. So, you know, any airplane is actually completely transparent, right? You know, all of a sudden, you know, because especially when we were doing big, large air-to-air -air engagements and stuff like that and training, it was very easy because the F-16, I mean, it can accelerate in the vertical. Right. So wow. um, just an unbelievably impressive airplane. So if you weren't watching, you know, real close what you were doing with your left hand, it was very easy to, you know, click over that first mock and, uh, you wow. know, around 600 miles per hour and, and bust the sound barrier and stuff. Now, if you're up really, really high, you know, 35, 40,000 feet and out over the ocean, it's no big deal. It's a real big deal if you're down around, you know, 10, 12,000 feet because you're, uh, probably taking out some a few windows and things like that. Wow. Right. So, so, so does that does that speed that you're used to carry over to your normal wife? Or maybe we should ask your wife this. When you're driving, <laughs> are you are you are you a lead foot kind of guy? You know, I I'm actually pretty good at driving where I become extraordinarily impatient with speed and uh and stuff is when I'm on an airline. Uh, that is that has been like the toughest transition for me into civilian life and stuff is uh, having other people fly me places uh, and stuff. You know, I you know I'm a, I'm a country boy, so we live out in the country, so the, you know traffic and stuff is not that big a deal. But yeah, I probably push the speed limit a little bit. Cool. Do you have to? So with your certifications and what you can do with your licenses, what's what's the uh, a, ra a range of things you can fly? So you know, right now I'm literally not qualified in anything. So, you know, when, when I hung up my G suit, you know, three years ago, I was like, I'm done flying. So I don't do any civilian flight. Now I could go back. So I have all the, uh, the ratings and stuff to go back and be, if I wanted to go be an airline pilot or something like that, I could go back and do that, but I'm actually not checked out or qualified in anything right now. Do most of your friends, the people that you worked with, do they do they retire and be done, or they become like commercial pilots, or do they stay in that type of business? They do. So the majority of guys do, you know. And, and the airline industry is a, I mean, it's a great life for these guys, right? It's uh, it's good money, uh, great lifestyle. You know, working about you know 10, 12 days a month, and they love it. So yeah, so I would say. I don't know the percentages, but at least the bros I know is probably 90% of them have gone on to be airline guys. It's so funny. I was at this uh, bed and breakfast with my wife in Saugatuck, okay. Michigan. Uh, it was a couple of years ago now, but there was a couple there. Uh, they were probably same age as us. I'm about 40 and I don't know, somewhere in there. And uh, 
they were both pilots, like commercial pilots, the husband and the wife. And they were both in the military. They both were pilots in the military. And they were flying. They weren't flying the fighter jet. They were flying the like a B-52 type, whatever the bigger. Yeah. I don't know what they're called now, but it's only because of World War II. I remember the names, but they're flying the bigger cargo type stuff. And so they transitioned to commercial and they're both. And I thought that was the funniest thing is like, he was like Southwest and she was like Delta or something. I'm like, that seems hard to like see each other, you know? (laughs) No, no, it's yeah. That would be a tough schedule to manage right there, especially if you're not with the same airline. Uh, Oh man. Yeah. It's uh, what about, um, uh ejecting you ever had to eject uh thank god no i've been close a couple of times um but but i did not had several buddies that had to um you know but that was always the uh you know certain level of comfort having that option right you know because when you're in a you know single seat single engine uh airplane uh you know the I guess the kind of the safety backdrop of that, of having the ability to eject, come down the parachute and be able to land uh, safely. Because there's a lot of times like, you know, especially if we're, you know, deploying out of the U.S. to go to Iraq and Afghanistan. I mean, we're leaving out of here at 1.30 in the morning, you know, with, you know, 10, 12 F-16s. Um, and we're meeting up with tankers, you know, to air refuel all the way across the Atlantic Ocean. And that's all at night in bad weather and all this other stuff you know i i mean i don't know i mean you know maybe out over the north atlantic and stuff uh um maybe you know actually making it down safely into that water would not be a blessing uh, we would would survive (laughs) in that but it was always definitely having that safety net there the ejection seat was was huge so you guys actually flew there from like america oh yeah yeah, wow. so it's the only way to, only way for us to get them there. You know, like Navy and Marine Corps, you know, they can obviously, uh, you know, put them on the boat and get them over there. Uh, we, we flew ours all the way over. So, wow. you, you know, for instance, like taking off out of here, you know, we would fly from here to somewhere in Europe, usually Spain. And so that was about 12, 13 hours uh, in the F-16 cockpit getting over oh there. Oh, God. Take a That's day crazy. off take a day off and then you fly out of there and go to either Iraq or Afghanistan from there. Wow. So real quickly, and I I see this on TV and I don't know how realistic this is. And, you know, so when they talk about, uh, I think it's called ground to air uh, missiles, like that are made to actually try to hit you guys in the air type thing. Is that real? And is it lock on you? If it locks on you, are you done? You have to eject or how's it, what happens, I guess. Now, now, so, you know, if you guys remember all the way back in like, uh, you know, 1991, when the first Gulf War kicked off, um, I was in pilot training at the time, so I was not in the first Gulf War. But after that, we um, had two missions going on, both Operation Northern Watch, which was Northern Iraq, and Operation Southern Watch, which was Southern Iraq, and we kind of kept uh, Saddam and his minions kind of pinned in the middle of the country. Well, back then, back in the day, so when we were over, you know, we'd be over the top of the country, you know, either in the south or the north, and they would shoot at us constantly. So, uh, you know, mostly older, you know, uh, you know, Russian surface-to-air missiles uh, coming up and stuff like that. But with the F-16 and the, you know, radar threat warning receivers and stuff like that we had, I mean, we could 
we could dodge those missiles, right? You know, so we, they, you know, the radar warning receiver would go off. We knew that we were locked on. And then you start looking down, you can see a smoke trail coming up. And uh, I mean, not the funnest thing in the world to deal with, but uh, we could uh, outmaneuver uh, the surface to air missiles. I was thinking uh, behind enemy lines, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I mean, no doubt. I mean, plenty of guys. I mean, you, you start dealing with some more advanced systems and stuff like that. It's a, uh, it's much more uh, of a challenge and stuff there. Um, you know, but probably the the biggest threat for us was the NA aircraft artillery. So, in because a lot of times that stuff they they would just fire it random in the air. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they could get pretty lucky doing it because I know there was a couple of night missions I was doing in southern Iraq. And we were uh, taking out a radio facility. And, uh, you know, as soon as we drop bombs, obviously something explodes on the ground. They know there's, you know, U.S. forces above and they uh, just let loose, right? It's and like a flash, happened, like blows up around you. Yeah, blows up around you. So they just happen to have everything fused at the correct altitude and everything else. Wow. And you're just sitting there and just all of a sudden, poof, 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 stuff starts scaring around you. What's up? What's the average um, height you guys would travel? So like when we're in a combat scenario? Uh, I was thinking more just when you're cruising because like, you know, I, know, I was thinking about jet planes in the way of you guys or vice versa. Now, so, I mean, and we, we follow the same FAA rules and stuff like that that everyone else does in the U.S. And so, you know, with air traffic controllers and, you know, so we, I mean, typically if we're just cruising from, you know, point A to point B, you know, probably in the, in the mid thirties, you know, 34, 36,000 feet, somewhere around in there. Wow. Yeah. I remember learning about uh, one of the big things they talked about in the, the World War II series was the Dresden bombing and how they used, um, is it glycerin or um, it was like a flammable gel? And it like burned the whole city, which was absolutely crazy. Is it, uh, was like it, I'm trying to think of, was napalm back around back It might then? have been, I think it was a different word for napalm, but same concept. It would hit and then it would just, you know, one barrel what bomb would hit and it would just be all liquid fire gel that would spread. They said that the, 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 the wind, of this like flame wind whatever was i thought they said i thought i thought they said 800 miles an hour or something crazy it created like its own tornadoes because it was so many because they dropped like i think it was by the british actually i think it was uh bomber harris that guy they were they were like they're really mad at him after he did this bombing at dresden and uh it literally burned the whole city to the ground and um but they said it created these like tornadoes of fire and like I don't know. I mean, it was sucking people into it. That's how much power and pressure it would just suck people right into the fire. It's crazy. If you, if, if you can imagine, if you have, you know, that, you know, that much firepower dropping at one time and just the amount of oxygen that it's sucking out of the area. So just, I mean, it would seem to yeah. me, I'm no expert on this, but it seemed like it would create this, this weird vacuum. So I, I mean, I would believe it. That would be, Yeah. So if you were the if you were the pilot, they had to drop uh, the nuclear weapons that they did drop. Would you be actually extremely scared to do it just because you think it might hit the plane? Because <laughs> it seems to me like I'd be like scary as all hell to drop that those things when they did with those slow planes at the time. I feel like you get sucked into it. <laughs> you know. You know. 
I yeah, I gotta, I gotta. Um, I would venture to guess that that those boys probably asked a lot of questions, yeah. you know, before they went over and stuff like going, okay, so this is gonna do what again? Okay, <laughs> got it. And then, okay, so what happens to us afterwards and stuff? Yeah. And, um, but you know, it's kind of one of those things that they were up high enough and fast enough and stuff. I mean, you're gonna be you're gonna be long gone. You know, before that's yeah. gonna, they actually yeah. said that those bombs detonated before they even hit the surface. It was like, um, I don't know how they do if it's not a timer or whatever, but it, it detonated yeah. like so many feet above the surface. It wasn't even on the surface. And for those who don't follow the World War II, and, and I apologize, I just know a lot about World War II because I follow it. I love like watching this over and over. But basically, what they said is if they didn't drop those bombs, and you know, there's like a lot of people against them and for them or whatever, but if they didn't drop those bombs, the United States had to uh go over there and you know just like we did for pele lu and all you know if we had to go yeah. to this island and take this island it was going to cost they figured about a million u.s lives that were because those people were going to fight to the death they weren't just they didn't believe in surrender they believed in whatever their empire empire uh, emperor wanted to do so very interesting the history of that and uh especially the fighter pilots at that time that was really really intense i think yeah, i think i'm bored bored and tim over there <laughs> <laughs> yeah there there's no doubt that their resolve was uh was second to none right i mean they were they were either gonna win or they were gonna just all die and yeah you're absolutely right you know the decision ultimately as hard as a decision as it was for the u.s to make ultimately saved us lives and you know my prayer would be that you know we're never in that decision making process again yeah and i was thinking about that because to me it kind of comes back to what you guys are doing here and you think of all the lives that were affected then and all the families who lost their loved ones a lot of their loved ones never even came back the bodies never even came back they're buried uh, on those those uh, islands they're buried at sea yeah. um so a lot of those kids didn't even get to see that coffin come off, you know, the plane or whatever, because there, there wasn't anything to give back, which was crazy um, to think that. But yeah, so I mean, when we when we kind of turn this back to where we started here, I was thinking about the chapters that you guys have on here. And so how does that work? Does that mean like people can join a chapter of a different area? Or how does that work? So our chapters, what, you know, what we realized early on with the Folds of Honor is that, um, you know, if you can establish yourself in a geographic footprint and cultivate that area. So, you know, we have, you know, uh, if you're looking at it, you know, a huge footprint in North Texas, huge footprint in South Texas, obviously Oklahoma, you know, Chicago, Florida, and all over the place. And what that allows them to do is to cultivate and develop develop that area to raise money and so you know if your boots on the ground it's much easier to go be people face to face to go do the things that we got to do to make sure that we can you know send all these spouses and kids to school the following year and um and it's worked out really really well and you know i was just at an event um with our uh north texas chapter and uh it was pretty cool so they hosted a gala and we have the gala at um, at AT and T Stadium, which is the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. And we it was twelve hundred people, and we actually had everything set up on the turf of the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. That's cool. Uh, oh. Yeah, they raised one point nine five million dollars in one night. 
Wow. Unbelievable, right? I mean, it's unbelievable. Wow. You can go home <laughs> hanging, your, hanging your head high on that one. That is absolutely amazing. Yeah, it was, we were, I was, uh, I wasn't surprised because, I mean, you know, you get in, you know, definitely in, you know, certain parts of the country that a lot of people are our people and, you know, believe in our cause and, you know, want to support us. And, uh, you know, certainly Texas is one of those states. Cool. Texas has a lot of, a lot of, a lot of military service personnel who have, you know, done, I mean, there's so many, I could, I could think of tons of them, you know, that came from Texas that defended this country. You know, it's amazing actually what, the, what they've done. Uh, so as far as partners go, uh, I'm looking at the, the, the national level, you guys have like Bushnell, um, you have like the PGA, you guys have a they have Puma golf, which is pretty cool. I didn't even know they had a golf thing. That's actually pretty neat. Um, whole bunch of stuff like airlines, Coca-Cola, uh, Yeti, which stood out to me because the hunting Yeti and Bushnell yep. were the two that I was thinking of Tim when I was looking at these. Um, so what is, what does the partners do? Do they just kind of give you guys a check every year for help or support type thing, or are they promoted at different events or how does that work? You know, it depends. So, you know, what was really, you mentioned Yeti. So Yeti is one of my accounts and they have been, um, first of all, they're just an awesome brand and everybody loves them and they're incredibly patriotic and have a huge, uh, relationship with us. So I don't know if you followed it or not, you know, and, you know, this isn't the exact mug, but this style of mug right here, if you can see the Yeti logo on there, it's got yep. the uh, American flag emblazoned on it. So this was last year's mug. This year's mug was the larger uh, tumbler version of it. So they made 30,000 of these mugs. And I think we launched November 2nd and it was online sales only, right? $5 from every mug was coming back to the fold. So $150,000, wow. they sold out in 21 hours. Wow. 21 hours. Mugs are gone. And, <clears throat> and that says a couple of things, right? One is, um, you know, if you, if you know Yeti, uh, they have an extremely loyal following, right? But I think number two, I think right now in this country, I think people are starving um, for patriotism again, right? I think people are starving for some good news and people are starving for some togetherness and uh and all the things and in one of the unique things about the folds of honor that i really love and i and i'll and i'll get back to the uh the partnerships here in a second is that if you look at the u.s military the u.s military is literally the most diverse organization in the united states okay you know because right now 46 percent of our scholarship recipients are ethnically diverse why is that important okay because the folds of honor has you know, done a good job of capturing the broad demographic of the U.S. military. So we're reaching out uh, to these families. But I think more importantly, if you sit here and take a look at it, if a less than half of 1% who wakes up each and every day and puts on this nation's uniform and is willing to die for each and every one of us, is willing to die for every listener that you guys have out there, and we're the most diverse organization in the US, I'm kind of thinking that maybe um, the problem isn't the problem. Maybe the problem is that we might just have one of the worst PR agents in the world in the US yeah. right now. And um, because it is, I mean, it's just, I mean, there's, there's no doubt there's problems in the US and there's no doubt, you know, there's, there's always going to be a constant battle 
uh, for equality, but it should give Americans a great deal of pride and a great deal of hope that that less than half of 1% waking up each and every day is the most diverse organization out there. And, you know, I'm back to our partners. It, you know, honestly, uh, Dave, it really depends on what you want to do. So we do a lot of cause marketing stuff. Like one of our biggest partners is Anheuser-Busch and specifically with Budweiser. And, you know, every year they will launch their Freedom Packs, okay, that launches out over the summer. And what they will tell you is that when they put this iconic triangle-shaped flag on there and they tell everybody, hey, we're giving a dollar back for every case sold, um, their beer sales go through the roof. It, it, it's just amazing. You know, and the golf industry is maybe a little bit different, right? You know, so we've got all these, you know, PGA professionals out there with, that we ask them to host golf events for us and stuff like that. You know, Titleist is a big sponsor. They give us money every year. Uh, Bushnell does, you know, based upon, you know, the sales of their range finders and all these other things. And, you know, it's really fun being here with you guys because, you know, my heart, soul, and passion outside of the folds of honor is I'm an avid bow hunter. Um, and I was like, you know what? Um, yeah, there's a lot of patriots in golf, but there's also a lot of patriots out there in the hunting world. So let's go, let's go figure this thing out. And, um, you know, that's what I was thinking time. in my head, you know, when you talked about when you guys, when I asked you about the golf thing, I was like, man, that's cool to get a golf thing. It'd be, it'd be even cool if there was an archery one. And some of the archery companies donated bows for the kids of these people. I was just thinking all this in my head, like, <laughs> this is going on? I'm like all these no, wheels are turning, like, how can I get like these kids some bows? Like, is there a way to like get, you know, involve some of these brands on it? Maybe a separate idea, you know, but like, there's so many different ways that, that companies can help, especially, um, you know, give these kids something else, you know, like Tim was saying earlier, uh, Tim, what'd you say about Michigan and, and the, the rules with the, the licenses to go hunting? Yeah. So, so in Michigan, I was talking to my neighbor who's active duty and uh, he was telling me he's going hunting for the first time, walked in to buy his hunting license, um, showed his military ID because that's just what he carries around with them. And he didn't know it because he's new to Michigan. So first time hunting, new to Michigan, walked in, showed his military ID and the state of Michigan uh, there's no charge for deer tags for active duty in the state of Michigan. Think, but think of that though. Think of how, and I was telling Tim, that is like, makes the most sense to me out of anything I've heard today. You know, I mean, earlier we were talking about this. I said, I, I, here I am, I go through, you know, a war or even just dealing with this stuff mentally. And now I want to go sit outside and breathe fresh air and go hunting and maybe not even kill anything, you know, just breathe the fresh air. This is like, that's like a major win to me. It's like a no brainer that should always be that way in every single state, because you guys got to have some sort of release to like deal with the things that you've had to deal with, you know, by doing that, you know, it's just unbelievable to me. Just that I was so excited when you said that. Now, and you know, that one of the unique things about hunting, and I'll tell you guys a quick story here in a second is that, you know, if you're a hunter and I've been doing this for a while, it's uh, it's not just hunting, right? It's the environment that hunting creates, right? It's the camaraderie that hunting creates. It's yeah. getting back around the campfire and having a beer and telling stories and, hey, what'd you see and, and that type of stuff. And there's just a, you know, uh, man, there's just nothing better than being up in that tree stand when it's dark and the, you know, the sun just starts to peak the horizon and hearing the woods come alive and stuff like that. I mean, you, you want to talk about being close to God and knowing peace 
and all these other things. I mean, that's where I find my solace is in those moments. And it's, it's absolutely amazing. And, you know, we, uh, so I've been working at this getting after the hunting industry for, for a while. And yes, we, so we have existing partners with Bushnell and I've also been in conversation, uh, with team Hoyt and those guys, but, you know, kind of a, uh, a unique set of circumstances occurred a couple of months ago. And, um, I've always loved, um, you know, Michael Waddell and the bone collector show. Right. I mean, who doesn't like Waddy? I mean, the guy's just an awesome personality and, and everything else. And so long story short, I was, uh, I've been trying to get to him and, you know, hadn't really been successful. And I was entertaining a bunch of donors at the Patriot Golf Club here locally. And we were talking and, you know, said, yeah, you know, I went to school in Georgia and, you know, I'm a hunter and all this other stuff. And one of the guys happens to mention, he goes, hey, um, yeah, I'm uh, business partners with a guy that, uh, you know, pretty famous hunter out of Georgia. Have you ever heard of Michael Waddell? I'm like, (laughs) shut up and And so you know he was my new best friend at that moment right and so we started talking he goes hey man by the way and this is early September he goes hey by the way man I was supposed to go on this elk hunt in Utah at R&K Hunting Company I can't go I'd like to send you and Michael Waddell and the team are going to be there so anyways long story short I got to go to Utah got to hunt with Michael Waddell got to kill a bull elk which is the wow. first elk i've ever killed wow. in my entire life and michael waddell and that entire team that were there so all his um sponsors were there you know so you're talking base maps hoyt and uh bushnell wow. and all these guys and and just everybody's like loves the folds of honor loves the story and i have no doubt that it is going to be a wonderful long-lasting relationship well, that's awesome, man. I, I think that, you know, we, we've seen that a lot in, in hunting, exactly what you're saying. There's a lot of veterans in hunting, um, in sports in general. I mean, the, you got the PGA and all that stuff. But there's a lot of crossover into other sports as well. We do a lot of talking about that crossover that we see on there. So I think it's awesome that you're able to network like that and have people like that support uh, Folds of Honor. It is such an amazing thing. And, and I just can't wait to see how you guys grow and you know, how, how your, how your donations keep going. I mean, if you had a great year last year with COVID hitting, I mean, I can't imagine where the roof's going to be for you guys. Yeah. So, you know, this year was a, was a record year for us. So last year we pushed out, um, 4,200 scholarships. Uh, this year we're pushing out 7,000. So that's $35 million. Uh, so is there, uh, is there a goal that you guys have? Like, is there a goal that you guys want to like eventually meet? Like we want to be able to do 25,000 scholarships a year. Or is there a max or is it the sky's the limit and you guys will take whatever you can and, and you'll grow it and you'll, you'll make it work. You know, the, the sky's the limit. So if, if you take a look at just, you know, let's talk a couple of numbers here and it'll, it'll put things into perspective. So if you look at just the last really 30 years, you know, so if you go from the Gulf War to now and looking at the, the larger effort at the global war on terrorism, there are over 2 million, 2 million veterans, okay, families impacted by this. The math on the education bill is astronomical, okay? And for 90% of our families, they are eligible for zero federal educational aid, none. Yeah. And um, so... What's our goal is to 
never be in a situation where we have to tell a spouse and a kid no. That's the goal. So if that's 25,000 scholarships a month, if it's or a year or 50,000 yeah. a year, I don't know what that number is. And so they have, uh, you have to build up that bank account and keep it going because if, you know what I mean? Cause you might, you know, let's say you do a hundred one year or whatever, I'm just throwing it out there, but you have enough money for 300. That's good. Because then come the next year, you, you're good. You have, you have room to play instead of just hitting one number and then you can't help yeah. anybody. No. And that's, that's exactly right, Dave. And so, and it's not a one and done thing, right? So, I mean, we have families, you know, um, you know, I'm thinking of one of our gold star families right now who, uh, you know, she lost her, marine husband and uh they have four kids okay you know and they were eight six four and two okay and we're sending all four of them right now to private school okay and all the way through college so with a lot of these families just with that family alone i mean you're looking at you know 200 250 educational investment uh in them and here's one really really cool thing and if this you know this will make your heart happy um, 700 of our kids last year were first generation college students. Wow. First generation. Wow. So this isn't just changing this kid. This is changing the course of that family for generations to come and in turn changes America. I mean, it just, it, it, it's unbelievable. Um, you know, because I sit there and look at it and when you invest in these kids and when you invest in these spouses, um, you know, the, the, the return on investment with it isn't just getting that piece of paper, right? As they walk across the stage, the return on investment is what are they going to do with their lives? You know, maybe we, maybe right now we're sending the kid to school um, that's going to go on and ensure that we never have another global pandemic, right? Or yeah. can cure cancer or becomes the president or, or who knows what. And, um, and when you meet a lot of these families, they will sit there and they'll grab me and they go, Colonel Nick, if it weren't for the Folds of Honor, my kid couldn't go to school, period. Yeah. And, and, and just as big as is, I have to imagine the love that those recipients feel. You know, they went through tremendous loss in their life, right? Yes. Lost somebody near and dear to them, honoring our country. And to be able to feel the love of an organization like you guys coming into their life and fill a little bit of that gap. You're never going to fill it all. You're probably not, never going to fill even, even, you know, a hair of it, but just to fill a little bit of that gap in their life to know that somebody's there, somebody's thinking about them. Somebody's worried about them and their future, just like their lost loved one was worrying about them and their future. I mean, that in and of itself is worth every penny and then some. It really is. I mean, because the uh, knowing that somebody cares, you know what I mean? And, and mm-hmm. not, and, and I, of course, I mean, you know, I'm sorry are meaningful and, you know, thoughts and prayers are with you and all those things are, are meaningful. Um, but I mean, if you want to get down to the, to the core of it, I mean, nothing is more biblical. Okay. Than taking care of these kids. There's nothing more biblical than that. Absolutely. And, you know, so, and that is what, you know, gets us up every day and we're in the fight seven days a week and, uh, and we're just going to keep going, you know, yeah, we're going we to take get... care of those widows and those children. That is absolutely, absolutely true. hundred percent. Well, God bless you, man. I, I honestly, it, it is, I was excited to, to, to see the emails kind of hit off and, 
And uh, when Carbon's TV introduced us to you, I was really excited to have you on. I, I cannot wish bigger and better things for you and your organization. Um, you know, continue on what you're doing and continue to affect those people that have lost loved ones in the fight for our freedom. And I just, I mean, I can't thank you enough for honoring us with your presence tonight to share that message with everybody else. Oh, man, you guys, you guys are a blessing. And, you know, big shout out to Julia Carbon TV. She's the one that made this happen. I actually met her at that elk camp I was just talking about. And, uh, and you know, she was, couldn't have been more welcoming of hearing about the Folds yeah. of Honor and, and absolutely helped uh, get this stuff set up. And, um, you know, so, you know, we'll all stay in the fight together, man. You know, yep. it, it uh, you know, as long as you know we are serving the cause of freedom in this country and we always will um there will be a need for the folds of honor awesome man thank you so much for joining yes. us today man uh, give us that website one more time it's foldsofhonors.org correct yeah foldsofhonor.org click on that donate now, button join our squadron 13 bucks Dave. a month and uh, you know, tim dave man i salute both you guys such a blessing to be here Thank you, man. Appreciate your time today. You bet. Thank you. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money at when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.